0: Soon, everyone. We're here in Chicago for office hours. I'm here with the double mics, Mikey Diamond, the dose of positivity, and of course, the unbroken one. Michael, unbroken, thank you for joining me and co hosting. Uh, I didn't get the memo to wear a black t shirt, but nonetheless, <laughs> thank you very much, boys, for joining me. Uh, I am super excited. I just want to start before we bring Scott Herman on. Uh, I'm in Chicago and you guys know I do these VIP dinners, which yet Michael Diamond has to show up to, but the unbroken one has. And today is the capper of all we got because we're at the sports collectible show. So we have Dr. J Marshall Falk. We got Eric Dickerson. We have uh, George Jones, Gary V Danny Fleischman. It's going to be a huge ruckus here in Chicago. And then we have Indianapolis tomorrow. But we're doing San Diego, Orange County the next week, boys, and then we're in uh, New York and St. Louis. So I'm hoping you two can come and join me. I miss you both in person. So unfortunately, you're both too successful. Uh, same can be said about our guests. Scott Herman, been around for about six years with IDIQ. Uh, He's CEO and co-owner of that. And there's uh, no better time to understand expertise in understanding identity theft data breaches credit monitoring all three of us had of experiences to the positive and the negative in this space and most people now it's a common occurrence of some kind welcome to the show scott
1: thank you appreciate it
0: you got it my friend well uh you know i know over the last six years we were warned uh that this was going to be a major issue and it will continue to escalate and exponentially become a greater and bigger issue. My first question is, Scott, how big of an issue is uh, the identity theft credit monitoring and data breaches that are occurring today comparatively from 2007? I mean, it's
1: increased basically every year and every year new things come out and and new scams. So it's always a changing landscape. Um, So we're always on top of, you know, different trends, whether it's, you know, right now it's AI scams are the big thing and cash app scams are, are a big thing that didn't exist six years ago. But, you know, the reality is here's what I'll tell you guys is your identity has been stolen already. And it's just a matter now if it gets used or not. So the information's out there. If I put five minutes into it, I could find all of your information, probably usernames and passwords. Wow. Law enforcement in dark web chat rooms, thousands of them monitoring stuff in 25 languages and i can pull out usernames passwords they're being bought sold and traded online and so really what it's about is, is someone going to start using information now because through data breaches it's been exposed and your is long since gone amazing so what's the first thing so i mean someone's yeah. going to hear that and
2: go oh my god i'm screwed and go straight into panic mode <laughs> yeah True, so, right yeah so what's I the mean, first thing that you can do to start to for someone watching to start to actually set up some
1: strategies to at least have some kind of protection. And that's why we built the product. So I retired in 2016 for all about four months and uh, I was 41 years old and went fishing every day. And then I think I caught the same bass twice (laughs) in a three-week period. And I threw it back. I was like, I got to do something. And three months later, I, I, I bought Identity IQ, or at that time it was a small credit education platform. And we built it from the ground up to, to what it is it's written in four years from, from nothing to hundred million in revenue. It's doubled its sense. Um, but we built the thing with, with, with this. We looked at how people stole identities, um, how they were getting them, how they're using them. And then we started building databases to monitor transactions. And so to this day, we monitor literally billions of transactions from over 50,000 data furnitures worldwide. And we're alerting customers of data that we're analyzing and alerting them in real time of transactions that are occurring. That could be someone taking over an account they already have, like a home equity line of credit, um, or opening a new account in their name, a, you know, an alert from a Ford, Ford Motor Credit that someone's opening an account in your name. And, and we're learning customers in real time with our proprietary technology. And you know, we, we have competitors obviously, but they're alerting customers sometimes 24 hours and 24 hours and 48 hours later. And so the difference is we're able to give them an alert and uh, stop the transaction from even happening, as opposed to catching it after the fact. So, I mean, it's it, it is crazy out there what's going on. And, and I think one of the things I'd love to talk about, if we have time, is is what's going on with AI scams, because it's scary. And uh, I think the world needs education on this.
3: Mike, yeah, I guess it's I gotta,
0: know a question to ask, right?
3: I. Well, you know, it's funny. I was actually going to lead in that anyway. I I had my identity stolen for the first time when I was 16 years old. And then again, when I was 24. And so I, I probably am subscribed to like three or four different services. But there's things happening all the time. Like you just mentioned and alluded to there, Scott, about AI scams. We're seeing actually there was just a phishing attack in my email today. My IT team is on that. So it's like it is always happening in real time. So why don't you tell us about some of these AI scams that we need to be aware of and more importantly, how we protect ourselves from them?
1: Yeah, perfect, Michael. So so right now, obviously, we've heard a lot about AI and it's kind of taken over everything in the media. Um, the scammers are using technology now. And in the future, we'll have regulations and we'll figure stuff out. But the problem is it's happening and it's happening right now. Um, so these AI scams with 20 seconds of, of audio recording in about 15 minutes of time with free software that's available online. I won't say what it is or how to get it. Um, I can clone a voice so well that I could get a mother couldn't tell the difference between her kid talking and the machine that I used to, uh, to imitate the voice. And so it's, it's that good and it's that fast to do it with, like I said, only 20 seconds of, of recording. The scams you are seeing happen, some of them are simple. It's a voice of a child calling a grandparent saying I was just in a car accident. The car's, I need to get it towed to a place. I'm calling from, you know, a friend's phone. Can you, Ooh. I'm gonna text you and can you Venmo $300? And it's in that grandkids voice. There's no reason to doubt it. And That's the crazy. person Venmo's the money they get from the text and it, it's gone. Um, There's also, unfortunately, kidnapping scams. Uh, A daughter calling a mother and saying, I've been taken, they have me, I need help, please help me. And then the kid cries, sobs, screams, and the person comes on the phone and says, I need money, I need it now. Don't call the police. And and that is the most frightening thing I've seen in 20 years in this space, and it's heartbreaking. Um, But we're we're seeing that. And that's why I wanna get the education out to everyone and say, hey, this is happening, you need to know what's happening. And, you know, right now, the best thing we're telling people to do is we're creating family passwords, grandparents, parents, kids. You got to have a family yeah. password. If you get a call and they're asking for money now or something like that happening, it's coming from a loved one. You recognize the voice. Just ask that family password. What's the password? And if they don't know it, they'll uh, they'll hang up. And, and we're hearing that from customers that have used the technique. They called back and said, yeah, I had a call and the person hung up immediately. And then they'll give us the phone number of the person called from and we'll trace that back. We'll find it's actually a stolen spooked phone number. Then we'll call that person, tell them their phone numbers is being used and how far the hole goes from there.
0: It's crazy. Oh my God. I'm just thinking, I, I got to get you, Scott, to do the, I, I have a Apple TV show, do the tip. We have a tips of the day. I have you do the IDIQ tip of the day. Uh, these are amazing. I mean, they're life changing. And I've been also a victim at a very serious level with accounts opened and Uh, One of the things I was told through that process was that you can't stop it from happening. So there's two things to look at. One, you know, give the so much interference from making it happening that it's just easier to go deal with someone else because there's everybody's available to them. So what, if there's certain protections in place, they don't want to mess around with it because it's too much work. Uh, So, you know, work on the apathy side of things and just count on them being lazy that there's in and everybody's available so like why mess with someone that has some sort of protections in place and then the adequate alerting like not just a family password but you guys are really the leaders in the alerting uh side of it of hey you know this doesn't look right before they start approval process or something uh in each of those aspects do you create both protective side, we talked about the alerting, what do you do in the alerting? And then two, do you create the the perception that this is gonna be a pain in the ass so move on to someone else?
1: So there's, yeah, so on, on the first point, um, there's things we recommend for customers to do depending on where they are in their, in their lifestyle. So when customers enroll in our product, the first thing we do is we look at all of their financial identity data. So think of if you were to, you know, Go, you know, apply for a mortgage, apply for a job, get a background check. We have all of that data available. It's everything about you that someone would find. Um, and so the first one we're looking at is, it, is it accurate data um, as it sits? Or is your data already been compromised or misused? And that doesn't matter if it's identity theft that happened a long time ago, or if it was, you know, a parent that used a kid's information to open a utility account, or the credit bureau or data furniture got the information incorrect. It doesn't really matter to you. The reality is it's affecting you and you need to get it cleaned up. So that's our first thing we do is get stuff back to how it should be and get anything that's negative about you you know, corrected. So it's proper information, your credit scores reflecting appropriately. And then from there, yeah, we're monitoring every transaction. It could be new accounts open, account takeover. Um, it could be a DocuSign, an Airbnb that's happening and alerting you that this is happening. And then you can decide, hey, that was me or that wasn't me um, and coming in. We talk to a lot of customers who are older, who aren't buying houses or cars or doing transactions. And for them, it's placing fraud alerts in the files and in some cases, even freezing their credit files so you can't even open new accounts. Um, And that's the part you mentioned about kind of being proactive. If it's it's too difficult for a criminal to do, they'll move on to somebody else.
2: I have a question, Scott. You know those, I don't know if you guys get them, those text messages like, hi, is this Steve? And they're phishing. Are they yep. fishing for money, information? I never respond. I just delete it. But what are they fishing for in that situation?
1: Yeah, so a lot of them are just, they, they want the response of one, they'll know if the phone number is real and what it is. And then they're probably going to go into some sort of, you know, phishing scam, catfish scam from there. They operate in so many different ways um, to happen. The The biggest thing we're, we're seeing right now, it's increased, probably doubled in the last five months, is the payment cash app type scams, where people are getting a literally having money put into their Venmo account and then having the person contact them and saying, sorry, I sent you that hundred bucks to you by accident. And can you please return it to me? So then the person returns it and then they actually sent the money with a stolen credit card, which will get reversed uh... and then out the out the money they um, We're seeing a lot of that. A lot of stuff oh, with yeah. marketplace and those kind of items where people are selling items online and the scammers will go after them. And, and try to scam them to, to get information. People will text you um, and say, hey, I wanna buy this item from you. And I'm gonna send you a, you know, I wanna send you a code so you can prove to me you're, you're a real person, not trying to scam me before I give you money from your item I wanna buy. And then they send you a code and if you read that code back to them, they might've already hacked into your Venmo account or your bank account. And that's the actually the, the two factor authentication code they're using to type in to get into <laughs> <right now>. your <laughs> holy crap, yeah. And this is the stuff we hear about in our call centers all day long. We just uh, released a paper um, in conjunction with the Theft <laughs> Resource Center, uh, talking about what we've seen growing in, in, in identity theft space over the last. Uh, that's, day. That's, that's crazy.
0: Sorry. So that's, Scott, yeah, when- I, I need to get this tip of the day. Uh, yeah, these I call sure. these these are ridiculous.
1: I used to scammers. I've been trying to use word criminals. Lately? because that's what they are. Yeah, instead of saying- Scott,
3: I have, uh, between Mike, David, and myself, there has to be 250,000, half a million hours of us online. If they need 20 seconds, it sounds like we're screwed. Like, what do we do?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think think all four of us have enough audio that um, they can spend. So, you know, I think, look, be aware that this stuff could happen. You could get a phone call uh... from someone pretending to be you know, a loved one, and uh, you got to know what to do. And that's what I want
0: to at. <laughs> I, I will tell you, there, there was one positive side of losing everything besides saving my life and my wife. Uh, it was that nobody could break into my credit because I had none. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that a lot. That's uh, you know.
0: I had no fear. You apply all you all, apply all you want cuz they're not going to give you anything brother. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
0: right. It, oh, wow. oh man, what a great service, that's what great awesome, knowledge. Man. Um man, if you are not reaching out uh to Scott in IDIQ, uh you're you're making a big mistake. There is opportunity so costs idiq.com, identityiq.com. They're the nation's leading experts in this stuff. Credit monitoring. Oh, yeah. ID theft protection, data breaches, been doing it a long time. They've seen everything and they're on top of it. Billions of transactions for every stage of life. Well, you just got a taste of the tips today. Uh, Scott, I'm gonna have my team reach out because I want to I have a great idea for this tip of the day. It's gonna more people need to know these things. So thank you so much for joining us.
1: You bet. Thank you guys. I Amazing. Definitely do the thank tip. You. Appreciate it, guys. Awesome.
2: You're awesome.
0: That was great. I look like one good? I look like the scammer in the in the Hilton here in the D. <laughs> hey uh Venmo me uh $25. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just recorded
2: his voice and you're sending it That's out. That's right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> oh shit. That was oh, I, was I, so I love when I have no uh wow that I learned that so, so much there. Uh, so good. Yeah, I loved it. So good. It's so good to have both you guys here. We've been alternating, <laughs> somebody's been missing over, you know. I'm in Italy, you're here, yeah, there, France, there. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: but now that we've uh, protected our credit, we're going to bring Julie on, you know, that's one of my favorite name, Charles Dean herself, CEO of premier dental products company. And she has a new book. Welcome Julie to office hours.
4: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I know you were waiting in the green room. Hopefully you got some tips like we did of, uh, how devious, uh, these AI scammers are with our credit.
4: I'm definitely going to do the family password. I was thinking what ours should be.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I won't I'm not, say them here. <laughs> yeah, don't say them here, exactly. But you, you know, you're, speaking of families, though, you wrote the book on how to lead your family business, and we will include family passwords in the next edition. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you, it, it's funny because you talk about unexpected crisis choices and challenges. Um, You know, when we were looking at COVID and people would say there's, you know, It's so uncertain. And I'm thinking there is only one certainty and that's unexpected crisis choices and challenges when it comes to having a family. And it's not just because I have three daughters and a son, uh, but you're providing truly a masterclass on how to deal uh, with what we know is coming, God laughing at us with these unexpected uh, things that occur, especially in our families. Um, For you, what was the motivation, uh, the inspiration uh, in writing the book,
4: well, the inspiration and motivation in writing the book is not very exciting. <laughs> um, I never, I, I technically am an author now, but it was never. I don't think of myself as an author, so the impetus was actually very random from a from a PR firm I was working with on executive positioning. Um, There are a lot of amazing dental companies out there, but none of them have CEOs that kind of look or act like me. So we said, you know, can we build my brand along with Premier? And one of them said, you should write a book. And I said, "Um, I have a day job. That's why I'm here. Uh, Don't really want to do that. Uh, But, you know, fast forward, they said, just write, just start writing stuff. Um, So I did. And that's kind of how how it evolved.
2: I mean, the Family businesses, it's one of the hardest things to do. And <laughs> I, I couldn't work in my family business. I packed up from Australia. I'm like, I'm out. It's right. so much trauma and stuff. It's hard. It's like, it's really hard.
0: Plus, so our here, fam- our families hate us.
2: Yeah,
4: well, that's right. well that's yeah.
2: Yeah. understandable.
0: No. I, actually, you know, it's so great when
2: someone <laughs> said to me, oh, you rejected it. You, you reject your family. I'm like, they rejected me.
0: Exactly.
4: <laughs>
2: <Right>. Both ways.
0: <laughs> I, resemble, I resemble that, Mike, so don't feel bad. That's right. That's true, that's right.
2: right? So, um, so going into that, so you, you're going into a family business and you're working with people. How do you remove toxic members?
4: So I think it's it's more There are a couple of things. One is toxic relationships. So the people themselves might not be toxic, but the relationships can be. Um, So, you know, for for me, in my experience, compartmentalization is very, very important. Um, So if, you know, I'm in a business meeting at the same time as I'm having, you know, a huge fight with my dad, During the meeting, everything is cordial, you know, giving him whatever information he may have needed. And then after that, it's over and I don't talk to him again until the next meeting. Um, So that's personally how I handled conflict is through compartmentalization. Um, And it's it's inevitable that it's going to happen. Um, Another thing that helps more kind of holistically is if there is good governance in place and lots of documentation and everything like that, that also helps to serve as good guide rails.
2: Mikey, can I ask one, I'm sorry. How yeah. about if you're dealing yeah. with an addict? Because I deal with addicts and sometimes they're destroying the family business and you've got to step in and draw a bottom line. Because you, know I mean? you said toxic in one sense, but some people are sinking the shit. So how do you do that? Because family business, I deal with it all the time, family business is the hardest thing.
4: That must be very challenging. Thankfully, we have not been faced with that. But I think that that is where the governance documents come into place. You know, there can be criteria set out for that. Um, Family members can be dismissed for these reasons. Family business members cannot come into the business for these reasons. And that way, it really takes the thought out of it. It takes the fight out of it. And everyone's protected.
2: Thank you. That's awesome. Sorry, Mike.
3: no, no, you're good, brother. Uh, you know, I have thought, one, one, you're East Coaster, and two, you're looking at a, a family that is four generations of this company being fourth generation CEO now. One of the things I'm always thinking about and why, like these guys, I don't touch family business is because you hear <laughs> all the time, that's just the way that we've always done it. And so when you're looking at addressing innovation and change in the marketplace, staying up with the speed of not only technology and AI, but the way that attention is almost non-existent, how in the world do you create change when you're faced with the conversation of we do it this way because this is the way we do it?
4: Well, you are right in that we are 110 years old, fourth generation, which is remarkable. (laughs) I'm not taking credit for that. Um, And our business is Premier Dental. We develop and manufacture innovative consumables for the oral health professional around the world. So things dentists and hygienists use in your mouth. So those things are changing. My, the, the, way, the way that we do it and I do it, my favorite line is actually from a Gatorade commercial, which is, to start a revolution, the only solution evolve. You cannot be in a successful business for 110 years without having the willingness, the capability, and the vision to evolve. And that is really just we just inculcate that within our organization. It is part of how that's part of you know how we've not always done things, but it's it's an understanding that this is how you get to the next year, five years, next generation. It's 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 there's no other choice.
0: All right, so I'm gonna hit home here, and uh, <laughs> the real reason that uh, I can't do family business besides my siblings uh, and family being so much smarter than myself um, (laughs) is uh, the meaning that we give to these relationships in family. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing that I have in in my own family relationships is that my brother, for example, he has not spent a lot of time with me because he has his own life. So what he sees is 17-year-old David. And there's a lot of baggage uh, when things get uh, stressful with unexpected crises and choices and challenges. And this occurs with my siblings and I uh, with life decisions, you know, with my mom or when my dad passed, when you have these unexpected or even, you know, tough choices, then all of a sudden everybody is judging you for who you were and somehow they've dismissed that you're 40 years older than you were at the time and have experienced a lot and maybe even become more enlightened how do you guys deal with the baggage uh in the family
4: that will always be the case your brother will forever see you as 17 and you will forever see him as however old that was. Um, and that's, that is just the reality of it. Which
0: makes it um, worse. Cause he's a rabbi who graduated Harvard. So it's. Oh, even, really?
4: My dad's a rabbi who graduated Wharton.
0: Oh, that's even worse. Oh my gosh. Well, nobody well, can that, raise money like rabbis. St- nobody can raise right. money. They like teach it at Wharton. It, they're the best money raisers <laughs> in the world.
4: Well, that's actually an interesting story. How he got into the family business. He went to Wharton. He was supposed to go to Columbia um, graduate school. And th- throughout college, he be, had become more observant. And like at, gradu- at Wharton graduation, he told his parents to send his money to send the money to the Jewish Theological Seminary. He would not be going to Columbia. Um, and then he was uh, like a pulpit rabbi until I was about five. And then my grandmother and mother were like. It's enough playtime. It's time to, you know, like, uh, come in and and get to work. Um, wow, that's very interesting. You don't hear people that have that in common. That yeah, else.
0: my my other brother went to Wharton. <laughs> then he went to Columbia. Then he was the school, University of School of Economics, and he still sees me as seventeen as well. So
4: and that that will that will keep happening. And you know, in families, people have their roles, um, even if it's 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 unwritten. You know, people have their roles and people rise to that level or stay at a certain level or are met at a lower level because of what these unwritten roles are. And it is very difficult to change them. I have not seen, I have not seen it happen. Um, so there just needs to be a recognition that I know that this is how this person sees me. So i am going to have to react in a certain way in order to engage with them
0: beautiful Take
2: the higher road mikey i asked too i'm going to pass it to you because i'm a gentleman yeah. you asked the last question.
3: <laughs> the lie is told on this show today my friend oh. um <laughs> <laughs> no joe you know i think it's absolutely incredible what you've been able to do so many awards so many accolades being a part of this generational company how do you take care of yourself with the pressure of not only being the CEO, but running a family business and also the ins and outs of all of the, the things that come along with the day to day? Like, I think so many people in business right now, their self-care has become secondary because we're in hustle culture. So how do you be successful in all these areas of your life and take care of yourself?
4: You don't. <laughs> you know, I, I, am, I do not believe that work-life balance can exist. It just can't because it, you can only do one thing at once. So I can be an amazing CEO, but I can't do that at the same time as I'm being a good wife. And I can't do that at the same time as I'm being the best version of myself. I can't be an amazing mom at the same time that I'm being an amazing CEO or a fantastic wife. There will always be something that wins out. They do. You cannot have it all, all at the same time. That is my belief. That is my experience. Um, so I'm not that great at self-care, <laughs> and I think that I don't. I don't think that that's uncommon. Um, my my typical trajectory is go 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 total effing breakdown. Take a minute. Go 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 go. <laughs> that's what it looks like in the life of Julie Charisti um so i need to you know that's i love the honesty thought,
0: <laughs> i love that, temper, I, I, will t- temper I, that. <laughs> I will tell you julius the number one thing that as i coach executives uh teaching them to understand time is a dependent variable of weighted balance and daily uh, practices with non-negotiables and uh there are ways to you will never have that balance maybe in the aggregate in your life hopefully it'll balance out but there are ways to utilize time uh, and energy to aggregate, provide exponential outcomes uh, and accelerate uh, this balance or weighted balance so that, you know, for me, two minutes a day with my 24 year old daughters worth more than two hours on a Saturday, but you have to be consistent with it. And uh, there are some mechanisms, but it is the biggest challenge of all High powered executives, even ones that don't work with their family, which I think is remarkable uh, because of the baggage and so many of the other issues that we discussed. I'm going out and getting that book, How to Lead Your Family Business, because I expect great advice on how to just deal with your family if you're not (laughs) into. And that interests me. So thank you so much for holding that up. Thanks for writing the book. Even if you don't do business with your family how to get along with your family mm-hmm. during unexpected crisis choices and challenges. I'm sure these uh, pearls of wisdom will do you well uh, dealing with your family. Julie, come back and join us again. Thanks so much. Uh, for Thank now, you, Bryce. gentlemen. for having fun with us.
4: I had a great time, bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Great to have you. Bye. It was great. All right, we're two for two. That's not bad. That's a great. Great all-star team with that batting average. And Mark is waiting in the wings by the grace of God. He's CEO and co-founder of Grace Bay Resorts, gracebayresorts.com. Mark Durliat, welcome to Office Hours.
5: Thank you, David. Thank you. It's good to be here. appreciate your time.
0: Oh, well, we wanted to have you on uh, mostly just to get an invitation down to the Rock House. Right, guys? <laughs> That's right.
5: <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty common, pretty common theme. We get that a lot, and we uh, we'd be happy to have you down here because it's, it's one of those places you just must visit.
0: It's majestic. It's, it's huge. It has unbelievable uh, views and experiences. Um, for you, when we're talking about a very new luxury residential resorts, what are the biggest challenges today in that space? Um, you know, like, we've never seen a market like this. Uh, a real estate market like this, let alone in the luxury space. It's very, very odd to have such a small domain, uh, small supply, interest rates so high. Uh, in, it's, it's a very different uh, real estate market than ever before. How's it impacting the luxury, luxury residential resort market?
5: Well, thank you for that question, David. I, I would say this. We have a destination where we have over the course of two decades been able to show how a luxury residential resort ownership combined with a very, very sophisticated hotel operating platform that ties into names like leading hotels of the world, small luxury hotels, of the world preferred hotels that a lot of us as tourists or travelers understand, recognize that we're able to convince these buyers of real estate to participate in a way that helps them to defray costs, that helps them to ensure that their ownership is is being used when they're not using it. Now keep in mind that a lot of people understand second home real estate is a home you have, say, in the Hamptons or in uh, in California or in San Jose. You name a place and you're basically at all times sending checks to pay for the cost. And our model is entirely different. Our owners participate in this luxury hotel market. So we're kind of co-partners in owning and building a hotel. And 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 in so far as we position it accurately, the customer who is using your home, if you're an owner with us, is your peer group, and therefore we're getting a very high rate and a similar a similar demographic to yourself. So you feel very comfortable in that environment, and that's really what's driven our market here, where people are getting this the benefit of use and, and enjoyment and. A lot of fun for their families and a place to go but they also get hassle free and they also get this opportunity to defray their costs as as part of their ownership i hope that makes sense but that's how our model works
0: makes a lot of sense i've participated uh, in that model as well and uh, really enticing when you have the the nicest properties right i think you being able to have that 20 years of track record comparatively to people who have oversold back end sold the luxury residential resort that has no history or track record is where I think the reputation uh, gets diminished, uh, which is why I wanted to have you on because there's the real players in the space that are doing so well. And you guys have been doing it so well for so long uh, since 2001, Mikey diamond, there's diamond resorts and there's Mike diamond. What do you say?
2: (laughs) I was going to ask you, did, did the pandemic? How did the pandemic affect your
5: business model? Were you guys able to navigate that okay, or was it was it chaotic for you? Well, Michael, thank you, and Mike. It was it was it was very difficult for a period of time. Obviously, we had to close, and we have four hotels. We had to close them all, and therefore there was a serious concern about the livelihoods of our of our teams. Right, that was the key thing. Um, ultimately, we were able to manage that and and buy time and. And, and, and kind of like I think with a collective effort between ourselves, our employees, the local government, our owners, uh, the travel industry at large, we were able to kind of everybody sort of took a deep breath and everybody sort of chipped in a little way and just a little bit to try and ultimately ensure the livelihood of the of, of, of the of the resorts. But during that time, what did happen was the emergence of buying real estate by FaceTime or by WhatsApp or by by some video meth mechanism started to happen. it was really surprising to all of us so you start to see multi-million dollar pieces of real estate change hands over a phone like this or over a call like this. People would do virtual tours. We'd, I'd never done that in my entire life and all of a sudden you see people buying three, four five million dollar pieces of real estate in this manner. So that happened for a period of time uh, and then once the uh, the borders opened up a little bit you saw this incredible surge of new investment. So it was kind of like in that, in those stages.
3: Mark, I was fortunate enough to go to Turks and Caicos for the first time when I was only 24 years old. And as a kid who grew up in the hood with no access to anything and dirt broken and poverty, I always felt like as a really as just an American in general, like there was no way I'd be able to get access to that what do you think is one of the biggest misnomers or the things that people don't take into consideration about luxury travel and its accessibility? Because, man, I'll tell you what, the first time I walked on that beach, I was like, now I get it. And I want more people to get it. But I think that they believe that they can't get it.
5: Yeah, I think that it, it, with, with, with building some relationships with the right operators and key travel agents who can give you access to when and give you the type of advice that you need to know when to go and when, where are the deals available and how can we get a good deal? There's always a deal available. I'll give you an example, right? If you come to a a hotel in the Caribbean from January 24th till July 3rd, 4th, whatever day that might fall, you know, the day that everybody goes back to school, let's say in January, that period of time is excruciatingly expensive the day after it goes down you can negotiate any rate you want so th- if you're flexible you can fly into a destination like this that may have a luxury hotel or many luxury hotels and you could probably command your you can probably demand your price for a period of time right after president's weekend right after spring break right after easter right after new years these are opportunities where someone can say where well, my caller or somebody my friend was here a week ago paying double what i'm paying all of a sudden it becomes accessible. So you gotta kind of know when those pockets of availability are, that's one way to do it. Um, And that's been my experience so far. I think that's the easiest answer I can give you.
0: And Mark, you know, one of the questions that I'm sure people are interested in, and I participated uh, in this luxury residential market, uh, resort market, and I've also, and still do own luxury VRBOs uh, as well. And what are some of the advantages uh, today since there's so many opportunities in the short-term rental space, the STR space, comparatively to what you're doing down at Grace Bay uh, with the luxury residential resort comparatively?
5: What are the opportunities? You broke up. Advan-
0: advantages. A lot of people, would they don't see, you know and you're so well at articulating the advantages of a luxury residential resort versus managing your own STR short-term rental
5: well i think with this str what people vastly underestimate is the sheer amount of personal effort that it takes it's all fine to have an airbnb or a vrbo or anything like that and, and and there's no question the margins will be higher to owners but it also underestimates or certainly on the surface you underestimate the effort that it takes there's a lot of hand holding communication with the customer making sure that they're comfortable when something goes wrong who can who's going to who's going to react i mean if you're charging and a reasonable number people are expecting service so if all of a sudden the lights go down or something's wrong with the plumbing or perhaps the fridge breaks or who knows what happens something crazy happens like the power goes out everybody can panic and they need that service and so that's the hardest part about having your own rental where you are you're basically a hotel owner um and so really nice if everything worked but everything doesn't always work and guess who are paying you the kind of rates that you're going to demand for a short term stay, which is invariably multiples of what you would get for a monthly rent, uh, the people are demanding that things go right. And when they don't, you need to be responsive. And I think that's the thing that owners of, of Airbnb homes underestimate.
2: Do you think that I love how you said that taking that personal responsibility in detail? Do you think that's, that's usually where, because this, any kind of business, what people underestimate now because they're so lazy, trying to buy sales, trying to just cut corners, they don't realize the contact of being personal. Do you know what I mean? And Dave goes and Dave has a great experience and he tells a hundred people and Mike goes or I go, do you think that's where people have gotten lazy because they're just so involved in social media, but they don't realize that you've got to be social before you go out to the media
5: and do that stuff because the media will kill you people talk networking no doubt about it are are people getting lazy in that respect sure because i think that the myth what has happened is there's just been this surge of of sing of of short-term rental growth from airbnb and vrbo and others like that and and it just seems so obvious that i'm going to get more money out of my home if i rent this way but they totally underestimate what all you have to do and as you say. Those who do it well and over and over and over again have a couple of key components that help them do that. One is they are constantly following their customers and communicating with their customers, either they or somebody for them. And secondly, when they get on the ground, it's the local operators, the managers, the local operators, anybody on the ground. And certainly in our case, we, we have a huge division that does this in the, the short term villa rental business, in, independent of the resorts that you, you may already know about um we have a whole division that does that those those customers are expecting a hotel-like service from us they go in the house they want a concierge we can provide it they want a maintenance it's on it's 24 7. they want any types of room service we can provide that in-room chefs those are the things they expect but especially if something doesn't go right they want us to respond right away and that's the key mm. for,
3: for it us. makes a ton of sense Mark, obviously you have a, a tremendous amount of experience in this arena. I'm curious for somebody who's like stepping into this for the first time, they have a little bit of cash to the side. They want to make an investment. Like what are the things, A, that they need to be looking out for? And then B, how are they determining if it's the right deal for them?
5: Well, if they're going to go into the short-term rental business, is that what you mean, Michael, or is it a little different? Are you saying the resort? Well,
3: into. Is- in Yeah, into the resort business. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly right.
5: Well, I think generally anybody who's ever been in real estate knows or who's done it for a little while knows that when you're young, you perceive it to be something, I don't have enough money to do this. That's exactly what you think when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. And then somebody along the way teaches you that actually, if you can work with other people and not be afraid of syndicating capital, as, as in other words, putting it all together from other sources, friends, family, business colleagues, what have you, that's the real difference maker. When you can secure that kind of support from others and not be afraid that they're going to steal what you're creating. Because if you find good people that are there to support you in some financial way, they ultimately become also advisors to you. So for example, I I know thousands of people in my lifetime who have started real estate enterprises with a couple thousand dollars But what they did is they went to somebody, let's say it was us four, we're talking about and I say, Mike, Michael, David, I've got this great little real estate deal I want to do. It's going to be three condos and I'm going to buy it and it costs me $300,000, but all I have is 50. We could collectively agree that we're going to go after this. I'm going to do all the work. That's the key. You're not going to have to do any work other than possibly just provide an investment. You're only going to do it if you trust that I'm not going to run with the money. And then I'm also going to work my tail off to ensure you get your money back in a return. And that's the way a lot of real estate investors have. Some can do it in huge quantities and some can do it in smaller quantities. And I think someone who's starting out, if they can get comfortable with raising capital outside their own pockets and outside even their own family, um, it, it, then, then you can start to see some real growth. But it's really hard to make that leap. Uh, and because everybody's afraid that my idea is going to be stolen by those people I go to get the money from. And in reality, the people that you go to get the money from are probably interested in helping you because they're probably older than you. And they probably like that you come to them for advice, for wisdom, for the capital, for some guidance. That's been my experience. I hope that helps. I'm not sure that answers the question, but that's what I found as work for young, young entrepreneurial real estate guys.
0: And now they can use AI to ask as well. But uh, nonetheless, uh, check out Grace Bay Resorts at gracebayresorts.com. I want to go down. Maybe we'll do a mastermind down there in Turks and Caicos at the Grace Bay Resort. It'd be amazing. Bring some high net wealth individuals, syndicate the money and buy ourselves a great investment and have some fun while we're doing it. Mark Durliat's the expert at that, CEO and co-founder of Grace Bay Resorts. We're coming to visit. We'll come during the off season. Don't worry. And we'll look forward to seeing you. Thanks for joining Thank you us. gentlemen,
5: appreciate it. Take Great care, job. Man.
0: Very, edu- very educational. You can talk about making a lot of money, helping a lot of people. Sorry, but Luke obviously didn't like it. So he just cut him off. Uh, <laughs> all right, takeaways of the day. I got to go do a meetup and we have that incredible dinner. And uh, not to rub it in, you guys should be here. It's amazing. We well, OC, you're gonna do you. one
2: in OC. I couldn't get to Chicago. But OC, you said coming up, right?
0: Yeah, we got OC coming up and uh, San Diego. So you guys oh, so are all always welcome. Down
2: there. Um, we'll cool. Uh, prepare for the worst. I love how you have to prepare because things are going to happen. They're going to steal your credit, and things are going to go sideways. Um, I would say try to find the middle path. I've gone from you know extreme pleasure to extreme pain. I try to find the middle road now, a bit of, bit of Buddhism in my life, like try to, as, as best I can. That CEO, she was amazing, but like I try to find the balance now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's like he said this beautiful thing pay your dues, go work for Dave Melser, shut your mouth, show up, learn as much as you can, bring value, then come with you to an idea then if you profit the idea, shut your mouth again, work your ass <laughs> off, get a small percentage, pay your dues. And then in, what, in 10 or 15 years from now, you'll be in a different position where you'll be able to find other people's ideas. That's yeah. what people miss that step. It's work, right? So if I go to you for mentorship, pay your dues.
3: I like it,
0: mister mm. Unbroken. broken.
3: Man, I I I've had to Google this word inculcate. I'd never heard that word in my life. And I was like, that's incredible. It means to impress upon. And so I'm going to be inculcating on my friends all the time, the way that I've seen our, our lives working together. Uh, but the thing that man, I'm uh, honestly that I'm taking away probably more so than anything today is just recognizing how easy it is to get your identity stolen now. And and the reason I I brought that thing about my friends up is because in my core collection of groups. I'm now even thinking we need to have a password because I'm not married. I don't have children, but I have a very close knit friends group, some with high wealth individuals like you two. And it's like, how do I know that David actually needs $500 to get a hotspot when he's in France? (laughs) So that's my biggest takeaway, protecting my friends and my family, knowing that there are scammers. I'd never heard this in my life. And now I'm just like, what do I really have to do?
0: Yeah. Mine's relative to both of yours. And it's, You know, I've been fighting in critical business situations to see what invisible assumptions I've made. Uh, And when we talk about the invisible assumptions of these scams, you talk about the invisible assumptions that we make in a family situation, right? You know, why is that guy being such a dick to me? Like, why is my brother (laughs) such a dick? Well, because he has an invisible assumption about me (laughs) that just is not true anymore, right? Um, And then, two, even in the Grace Bay Resorts, you know, this idea that we don't have money is an invisible assumption that we can overcome when we ask for help and we syndicate things and it doesn't just have to be residential uh, real estate. It can be all types of investment where you see people that are aggregate getting uh, and also assuming, for example, one of the greatest strategies today is I don't care about price or interest rates because I'm looking for properties where the individual may be a little bit older and I can just assume their loan and talk about making huge margins. You 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 can get a 60% off a property if you buy a property by assuming the loan at 2.3% interest instead of 7. And people they don't make these invisible assumptions, right? And so they're just assuming that I'm selling it for this price and they see no quantifiable value in the loan. So my takeaway is really today it's so important to raise awareness to these invisible assumptions that we're making in security and family and investment especially as well uh i made the invisible assumption that you both uh love me and i hope it's <laughs> i love you both all i'm gonna brother. say is
2: this. Mike pulled out the Google. He's like, I'm Googling the answer to this thing. <laughs> yeah. He just went. He's the inculcator,
0: this. the new he's superhero. Like, Mike Unbroken, the inculcator. I love it, man. He's, pressing, it. he's <laughs> pressing upon everything until it breaks. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love you both. I love you, love you too, brother. Check Brian. Out a dose of positivity. There's lots of books out there, but that one uh, really will change your life. Check out the host <laughs> of Think Unbroken podcast. And so uh, please, everyone, Come visit me, man. I got all kinds of meetups and dinners. Ask dinner. Michael Unbroken, they're awesome. He's awesome, my other diamond's awesome. Everybody be more interested than interesting. Thank you both for joining me.
2: Love you guys, bye. Great, show. Guys. great show, great
0: show. Great show when everybody shows up. Uh, you wanna join my text community, 949-298-2905. Email me if you wanna show up at one of these unbelievable things. We got Dr. J, Marshall Falk, Eric Dickerson, Gary V, Dan Fleischman and you're not here. Are you kidding me? David at dmelzer.com. Don't miss the next one. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow.